Hello, everyone, and welcome to SACSA's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm here today with SACSA historian and my friend, Dr. Kristen Walker Donnelly, to co-host this episode. Hello, Kristen. It's good to get to spend some time with you. I'm so excited to spend time with you today, Michelle, as well as to all of our guests today. So looking forward to a fun conversation. I think this is going to be a really great episode. It's a special episode for the series because today we have the inaugural class of the Gavel and Gravel Society here to talk about their experiences in Saxa. So our guests today are Jane Adams Dunford, Cheryl Bird, Tony Coffin, Ralph Johnson, and Bill McDonald. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. Very excited. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you for the opportunity. The dangerous group. (laughs) It's so good to see my old friends. Yes, Cheryl. Not old, long time. (laughs) Seasoned, seasoned. (laughs) Seasoned. Wonderful. Well, before we get into what I think is going to be a really fun discussion, Kristen, would you mind giving an overview of the Gavel and Gravel Society, a little bit about how the idea came up for SACSA and how our guests were selected for this honor? Absolutely. Well, have to give a major shout out to the SACSA Foundation because this would not be possible without them and their um, innovative ideas and the time and commitment of kind of putting the infrastructure um, together. So as many of you know, some of the other professional associations in our field have some sort of society um, in which to recognize the excellent work and service of those um, in the association and their contributions to the broader field. And SACSA saw an opportunity to do that as well. So the foundation truly led this amazing um, effort. And I don't know about you all, but the name, if you're part of the Saxa family, it means a lot to you. So if you're coming to the conference for the first time in November, you will hear the story of the gavel and the gravel. So we'll leave that to that. But in terms of what this society is all about is really recognizing those, again, who have given a lot of their time, talent, and treasure, not only to uh, Saxa, but to the field itself. And I cannot imagine a better lineup of individuals who have demonstrated such a profound commitment to student affairs and higher education, especially across our region, but quite honestly, also nationally. So that's a little bit about the society and kind of how it got started. And again, just thank you to the Saxa Foundation for organizing all of this. And we can share information on how you can contribute and honor uh, the individuals that are uh, gathered with us today, as well as Don Stansberry, who couldn't be with us, and how you can help give to the Saxa Foundation and, and promote the membership and professional development of all of those in Saxa. Yeah, that's a great point. We can actually put the links when the episode goes live, we'll put the links up so people can go and check that out. And whoever you like the best on today's episode, give the most money to them. (laughs) All right. So I, I actually was surprised given everybody's on their own schedule and life is always busy. This group was very quick to respond when I reached out, when we decided we wanted to do this episode. So thank you all very much for taking some time to talk with us today. And Michelle, I'm thinking maybe we can get things started by having each one of our guests introduce themselves, share a little bit about their career in higher education, and maybe how you first got started and connected in SACSA. Jane, would you mind starting us off? No, with pleasure. 
My name is Jane Adams-Dumford, and I currently serve as the Associate Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs Administration at Western Carolina University, and we also refer to it as UCA, University of Cullowhee, left of Asheville. <laughs> you can mark that out. I'll just have to get that in there because everybody was looking so somber. Tony, I want you to smile. Um, I was trying to. I was been, trying to figure. I was trying to figure what that stood for. UCLA. I was like, what? UCLA, right? <laughs> it's kind of cute. So I started in this journey in academic affairs as the computer lab manager over 30 years ago. And then I made a migration from my work with students while I was still at Cameron University in Lawton, Oklahoma, uh, to work in student affairs. And I was the director of multicultural and uh, disability services and 504 coordinator. So from there, it morphed on, and those were my Oklahoma days. And then we moved from Oklahoma to Western in 1998, where a colleague encouraged me to get involved with SAXA. And they were right. I attended SAXA and have only missed two conferences since. Uh, I can remember getting my first award in 2000, the Bobby Leach Award, and SAXA has been my professional home. It's family. It nurtures my professional and personal being, and I have just persisted ever since. And I love that, the foundation, and all of my friends right here on the screen. So thank you. Awesome. Cheryl, how about you next? Well, I started my career as a graduate assistant at my undergraduate institution, Tennessee Tech, and sort of just fell into the student affairs profession, like many of us do. And so my first full-time job was coordinator of student activities at the University of South Alabama. I stayed in Alabama for 25 years, got vested in the retirement system, I'll add, worked at Jacksonville State and Auburn University at Montgomery. So then I came back to Middle Tennessee, which is my home, Nashville, and spent the last years of my career at Austin Peay State University in Clarksville, let's go pee, um, as vice president for student affairs. And don't laugh. And <laughs> I've been retired for five years. So I had to say all of this was rather shocking and a surprise to um, be contacted at this point by SAXA and by colleagues. So it's really um, very, very special. Fantastic. Tony, I see your Paul and your ESSO sign in the background. So how about you go up next? Yeah, true Clemson, true Clemson paraphernalia in the back. Uh, yeah, my name is Tony Cawthon. I'm a faculty member at Clemson. Uh, I've been here since, uh, in Clemson since 1991. So I'm finishing my 33rd year here. Uh, I thought I had two careers in student affairs. The first third was as a practitioner working in housing uh, at both Mississippi State, Clemson, and the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, where I went to undergrad and master's. And then the last two thirds have been as a faculty member in the master's program and the doctoral program at Clemson. So uh, when I think about my SACS experience, I don't know that I had a choice. I think Gene Tice, who was my boss at Mississippi State, may have been the president who may have told me I was going, and I didn't really know what the hell that meant, but I went anyway. And oh my gosh, you know, I'm with Jane since 1983. I think I missed one conference, but Gene knew what he was doing when he said, I think you'll like this group. And I was like, mm, I don't know you well enough to know if you can decide that for me, because I've only worked <laughs> for you for about three months. <laughs> okay, he was right. I'll give him he was right. So uh, it's been a great, great journey since then. 
Fantastic. Rao, introduce yourself and share a role that you're getting ready to sunset. Well, thank you so much. Again, Ralph Johnson, and I currently serve as the Vice President for Student Life at Washington Adventist University, which is actually in Tacoma Park, Maryland. I'll come back to that in just a bit because I'm having the opportunity to actually work at an institution within my own faith community, which is really a pleasure. But, uh, you know, I was uh, in graduate school at Florida State under Dr. Mel Hardy. So you can imagine I had no choice but to attend SCPA at that time. And I was going to SCPA as they were considering the transition of the name from SCPA to SACSA. So I was there. I don't remember, do not remember the gavel gravel story, but I was there somehow. And so I uh, attended that first conference when I became a professional at the University of Arkansas under Dr. Suzanne Gordon. Suzanne was my boss at Arkansas. I served as the Greek coordinator. And one day I was in my office, minding my business, running behind fraternity and sorority folks. Suzanne comes in and says, I want you to go to SACSA. And by the way, you need to do a presentation. <laughs> it was three weeks before the conference. Somebody had dropped out and they had a spot. And uh, Kathy Faircloth, who was the program chair at that time, was good friends with Suzanne. And so Suzanne says, I'll ask my staff to do it. So I went to my first SACSA conference in 1982, and I haven't missed a SACSA conference since. So uh, not a single one, and I make it my priority to come every single year. But uh, through all of my professional uh, activities, Arkansas, University of South Carolina, and Hopkins, I've always made it very clear to everyone that my priority as far as professional associations is SACSA, and I always go, I've always been supported by my institutions to go. And I've always said that if I can't get the support from the institution, I'll just have to come out of my pocket, but I'm going. And so I've enjoyed the opportunity to work with SACS. It has been an amazing uh, professional association, a wonderful family and very dear friends. And I am very honored to be in this inaugural class. And what role are you sunsetting on behalf of SACSA? The role serving for almost 18 years as the representative to CAS. So I just finished my CAS presidency. I'm very excited and proud. I always tell people uh, that SACSA is the only regional association at this table, and we have always provided excellent representation and leadership. And to have served as a president to represent SACSA uh, in that role has been great. And so I'm now past president and uh, looking forward to the opportunity to roll off the council in another year when I complete past presidency. Fantastic, thanks for sharing that. Bill, round us out. Thank you, Kristen. I'm Bill McDonald. I'm Dean of Students Emeritus from University of Georgia. I retired from UGA on March 1st, uh, which is the same day that I've gotten the most favorable title that I've appreciated was granddad, became a grandfather uh, that same day. And so it was when synergy happened and I have loved that transition in my life at that time. Uh, I've been blessed with uh, nine years of residence life experience. And then from 1990 until I retired in 2023, I've served in a variety of senior level experiences at Carson Newman College, Presbyterian College, and the University of Georgia. And I loved every minute. Truly, those of you that know me know that I'm not exaggerating, that I love, didn't say I didn't get frustrated, but love my ex almost 42 years experience in higher ed. Um, my first exposure to SACSA was probably 1989 in the fall when Dwayne Rice, 
who I believe at that time was the program chair or headed up a committee for the program for that SACSA conference, chose me to stay home <laughs> at, at Memphis State at the time, uh, while the rest of the department went to the conference and then later got the opportunity to attend SACSA in Greenville, South Carolina in 1993. Uh, and one, felt very fortunate to walk in the room and know a lot of people based on my experiences in the CEHO organization and the CUHO organization and immediately fell in love with what SACSA stood for and the type of relationships at networking that I've, I have been very, very fortunate to have for the rest of my career. So SACSA really became my home uh, for professional conferences because in addition to everything else that's said SACSA more so than any other organization I went to was the place where you got student affairs professionals that came together around a regional general conference where you would have chief student affairs officers in the rooms to graduate assistants in the rooms and that network reading occurred instantaneously and in almost everything I mean it's, it's part of the fabric of who SACSA is and that's what really attracts me to the organization and it's an honor to be with my friends here in this group and those that are not here, uh, we miss them participating in this podcast. Thank you so much, Bill. And that's a perfect kickoff to our next question. So thanks to each one of you for sharing part of your stories. We are so lucky to have you part of the organization and, and with us today and kind of sharing your journey and who kind of brought you into SACSA. Um, I know so many of our members can identify with that. So kind of with what Bill was starting to talk about, let's dive in a little bit um, deeper into that. So what is it about, as you all, multiple of you, the qualitative researcher in me is saying professional home, professional home is a theme here. Mm -hmm. So what is it about SACSA that has inspired each of you to continue your involvement and share some of the ways that you've been involved with SACSA over the years? Cheryl, how about uh, kick us off for this one? Sure. And I realized I didn't talk about my SACSA connection. So I'll start off with that. Um, I was working full-time in higher education for 36 years. I don't remember when my first SACSA conference was, but it was in the mid to late 80s. And so I've been a member probably for over 30 years. And it is the one consistent membership that I held in a professional organization across all those years. And I remember in those early conferences, how impressed I was with the leadership, both male and female, but especially the female, because SACSA still hasn't had that many female presidents compared to male presidents. And I remember seeing Suzanne Gordon, as you mentioned, Ralph, and Brenda Richardson, and thinking of them as role models for me as a professional, but also for involvement in SACSA. That really guided my um, participation. And I was probably somewhat different in that I didn't assume a major leadership role until later in my career. So that was, uh, I think, an interesting way to do it. I've sort of packed my involvement toward the end rather than the beginning. I served as vice president for professional development. And then, of course, the three years involved in being president, you know, I've been gone for a while. So I'm trying to think about what I've served on the foundation. I've served on the nominating committee. I was awards chair. So I've done various and sundry things with SACSA. And it always was the relationships, the mentoring. And of course, it's true, the family atmosphere that we could 
call on each other. We could vent to each other. We could encourage and support each other. And that's what I really found through SACSA consistently over three decades. I love that. Tony, how about you? Uh, yeah, I think mine would be very similar to Cheryl, probably. Um, you know, what what I think when I think of what kept me in SACSA, it was that a lot of organizations use the word family, and but sometimes everybody doesn't feel part of the family. You know, there's some people on the outside of the family, but I think SACSA, everybody was part of the family. We we lived our values. We lived those things that we were founded on. And so I didn't ever feel that everybody wasn't a part of this wonderful, welcoming, lovable group of people who wanted you to be successful and were willing to help you. So that that sense of family drew me in initially, and it kept me going throughout the, the time. I also got to reiterate what Bill said, the opportunity to watch different levels of professionals from the senior student affairs officer to the dean of students, to the assistant director, to the grad student interact, and the synergy that created was almost exciting. I mean, it was almost like, wow, look at this. This is, <laughs> I hate to say this, but the present, future, and past of the profession, and it's happening right before your eyes. That was exciting to be a part of that and just watch that evolution of that and watch some of those people who were entry-level then become president, the Melissa Shivers of the world and the people that we all saw start out as grad students. Mm -hmm. That evolution was, was I don't know, it was filled your heart. And that to me kept me coming and kept me loving Saxa. Like Cheryl, I, there's, I'm not sure there's a committee I haven't been on in Saxa, to be quite honest, over the 35 years. Uh, I, 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 I toyed around a lot with the committees before I decided to be on the executive council. So I, I didn't, I pushed off for a long time being on the exec council. I like the other parts behind the scenes. So there's so many things. When I think back, what I really enjoyed, I love being editor of the journal. I had the best time as editor of the journal. I know people are like, really? I'm like, yes, I loved being the editor of the journal. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Don't, don't, don't share that news. Don't share that. Uh, I have a job, uh, but I loved it. I love being the conference chair. And I was the conference chair in, in you know, 9-11 in Orlando. And that experience was um, moving in a lot of ways. So, so many great opportunities it's given me. Thanks for sharing. Ralph, what are you thinking? Well, I hate to be repetitive, but that's what I'm going to have to be <laughs> because no the stories worries. are so similar, right? I do recall that in that first conference that I attended, it was in Jackson, Mississippi, when Suzanne said, you're going to do a presentation. Well, the second part of the story is once I got there, it was discovered that the chair of the resolutions committee was not going to be at the conference. So guess who Suzanne pushed onto the stage? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I was in front of SACSA, my very first conference, delivering the uh, resolutions. And then that just ignited the desire to do more. And I just, like all the others, I have been in almost every committee uh, that you can think of from recognition and awards to multicultural programming to, uh, I can the list is long. But then one day, Don Gehring, it was actually the same year. I don't know how this happened. Don Gehring and Fred Rhodes came to me the same year. They said, we've been watching you and it's time for you to be elevated to the next level of leadership. I'm going to nominate you for the executive council. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. And so it went from there and I got on the executive council and it just kind of went from that point. And so I've had the, the, the pleasure to serve as the uh, president uh, and then when I finished my presidency, not long uh, after that, 
we the pasture for Saxa past president seems to be the foundation. So that's mm -hmm. where I was next. And I worked for several years on the foundation, served as the treasurer for many years and have just enjoyed all of that work. But, you know, I really want to underscore, you know, this intergenerational dynamic that you see uh, in Saxa when so many of the young professionals, my graduate students who come behind me and I've seen other graduate students, you know, come behind each of you and you'll just find their own space with your tutelage and your mentorship. And next thing you know, they're flying high and they're soaring uh, as they are exercising their leadership within SACSA and within the profession overall. That is powerful. And that intergenerational phenomenon is one that you don't see easily in organizations uh, that are very large, but you can see it and experience it in SACSA. And I, I, I just have to say that this is one of the reasons I keep coming back because I know now I've transitioned to you know, that old seasoned person. So I, I joke says, you know, when I came in, you know, the Bob Leeches and Don Garys, I sat at their feet and learned. And now I'm realizing I'm that old person now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know the young people, but I'm happy to sit and talk with them when I encounter them at the conference. And so it, it's an unmatched experience in my opinion. And Kristen, I think I would add to that. I think I would add to that is that everybody had a voice. Everybody had a vote. You didn't have to be at a certain level. It wasn't institutionally driven. It was, you know, the grad student could vote as easily as I could as the senior director of housing. Everybody's voice mattered and continues to matter. We, I mean, they can be on committees. They can chair. I mean, you know, that, that piece is powerful. I'm with Ralph. I love that. Bill, any more thoughts you want to share from kicking off this topic so beautifully for us? Well, I, I would just say we're talking about SACSA and we're talking about the, the culture of SACSA, but SACSA's foundation, in addition to all these things that have been said, are one, it brings people together. <laughs> it brings people together. I mean, it's founded by being a conference where Black administrators and white administrators came together when nobody else was doing that. Right. And there were, if I remember correctly, and please correct me, there were only two cities in the Southeast that would allow that um, back in the day. And that's inherent to who we are. Second, SACSA is an independent organization. I would say it's nimble. It's mobile. It, it looks at what's going on and there's the capacity and there's the vigor and there's the passion from this culture that we're talking about that responds to change positively. Uh, whether the change is negative or not, we respond positively and affirming in ways that for me, it really is a community. And community is that place where you bring a lot of people together that are very different. And they're, you know, so many people think sex is one group, it's not. There's so many different types of personality <laughs> folks and beliefs and religions and po politics and everything else. But we come in together around a common cause of trying to advance education, make a difference in our students' life, and fulfill the mission of not only an organization, but the disparate, not disparate, the, the variety of institutions we serve. Mm -hmm. And SACSA equips you for that. So the final thing I would say, as an independent organization, it easily responds to these changes and responds in innovative ways. One of the things, I mean, I loved annual conference. But where I really fell in love with SACSA 
was through some initiatives, in some cases, partnerships like MMI with Region 3 and mm -hmm. NASPA. Uh, between NASPA Region 3 and SACSA, we were one of the first mid-managers and new professionals institutes. And those, I, I mean, I candidly became an MMI junkie. <laughs> I wanted to be involved with that from the type of, of relationships that you built there. And SACSA breeds that. And so Final word, if you've got an interest in being involved in SACSA, all you have to do is raise your hand with ASK or take the initiative to ASK and people will get you involved. Or just sit and eat and be called to the front, right? <laughs> <laughs> and if I can just piggyback on something Bill just said, SACSA has been very innovative over the years. Gavel and, Gavel and Gravel Society is an example of that. But the MMI... And I even believe the New Professionals Institute, although they are working collaboratively with NASPA Region 3, the idea was launched in SACSA. I remember Fred Rhodes very clearly at executive council meeting one year bringing the proposal for the Mid-Managers Institute. And it was SACSA that launched that and collaborated with uh, NASPA Region 3. And it is those kinds of things that really got exciting to me to see that we kind of branched out and did so many other things to provide professional development to a variety of individuals. I would remind all of us that SACSA had a woman and a person of color president way before any of our sister associations did. Yes. So, you know, if you go back and look at who was elected, we, Melvin Hardy, I mean, we were, we were on the forefront of inclusion and putting people's voices, everyone at the table. So it takes me back to my historian days. <laughs> no, that's important stuff to think about, Tony. Jane? You know, I think that at the core of everything that I've been hearing and, and how we feel, it's the people. And Tony had mentioned the word that I had, you know, been thinking about all day. It's the synergy. It's yes. in the atmosphere from the time you check in. You know, we offer a great conference schedule, but, you know, there's a thing about being sponsored and being mentored, and you get them both at SACSA. That sponsorship is so important, just like for Raph. He was sponsored in that space because sometimes they just don't organically happen. But at SACSA, we provide spaces and platforms for them to happen. So I think that that's so important to when we receive and give that sage advice. And we never know what someone is going to need at the time of a conference, of the conference that they may not be getting on their campus. So it refuels, it reignites, it um, innovates and creates those opportunities to kind of sustain professionals to get what they need at the conference so that when they get back on their campuses, regardless of what's going on, they know that they have been with the community and they still have a community. We're just an email and phone call away. So I care about this association because I know they care about me. And a lot of associations, you can't find that, just like we've said. And MMI, you're right, the relationships, that that affords um, Kristen and I. She was in she was in MMI during the time that I was a director. Bill, I'm like you. I'm an MMI MPI junkie. I just support it, and I'm so glad to know that we kind of 
laid the groundwork mm -hmm. and the baseline for that, then we invited our partners in. And I would, I'm, I'm just so supportive of that. And I would like to see that continue to grow. And I think like a lot of you on here, I was foundation director and then a board of trustees. You are just given opportunity to see the association through a different lens. So that has been exciting. And Kristen, what can I say? MMI, Texas forever will be connected. So absolutely. <laughs> Michelle, I think you've got the next question. Go for it. I would love for you all to start with, what are some of your memories? Well, I, I was just going to say one of the memories or one of the things I'm proud of is where we've gotten with our archives. I was historian for a couple of years, and I know there was a concern that our archives, our records were scattered all over because without having a central office, they tended to move with people. And then, of course, Joe Buck, as our longtime executive director, had a whole lot of SACSA stuff. He had a storage shed. And I know, um, I think it was this summer that I was president, there was a group that went to Joe's house and cleaned out the storage shed and sorted and, and got things that could be given to the archives, but we still didn't have a place. And there was a lot of discussion about Bowling Green State University and their university archives and how other professional organizations have their archives there. There was some thought that we didn't need to go there because it was out of the region. But in the end, we decided that preserving our records uh, in a location where their other higher ed association records was the thing to do. And so B.J. Mann had, was also a historian and had written a history of SACSA. So to make a long story short, she and I went there and did an on-site visit and looked at what they had. And Dr. Hardy already had her papers there from Florida State. So we found some fascinating SACSA information and photographs there that, that we didn't expect to find. And we thought, SACSA's already here the rest of our information needs to be also. So that was approved by the executive committee and over time things have been transitioned. But as I was looking and kind of trying to get ready for this podcast, since I hadn't really thought about a lot of that in a while, I look back on the Bowling Green website and our, our archives there end in 2007. So it's 1952 to 2007. I, and I don't know what happened to the other year. So I'd be very interested in, in working with some people to figure that out. I know I have things, other people have things if electronic files have just not been given to them. But I think that's something to sack. So we need to protect and we need to um, bring up to date so that people long after us will be able to go and, and look at the history of SACSA. That was one of the things that I was involved in that brought me the most satisfaction and I guess um, a contribution to the organization. Working towards bringing all that goodness together and now they actually have an electronic means for us to be able to share some things. And it's been interesting to feel out the history and even how our conference has changed where there was the physical book 
that now is all electronic. So it's great that it's in our phones, but it makes certain, you know, good old fashioned paper documents a little bit more difficult. So it's been fun to work with um, Tony as he transitioned out of the historian role for us to figure that out. But I think it's so valuable to even hear how did we get to Bowling Green and and where that makes part of Saxa's history so special. So thank you for sharing that. If I can piggyback on what Cheryl said in a slightly different way, and this is not as much of a concern as it is an observation and possibly a plea, Jane, and future presidents. (laughs) One of the things that I love so much about Saxa were the traditions that we saw lived out at our conference and throughout the year, but more specifically at the conference. I mean, when they would, we would do our award ceremony, they always acknowledged the previous winners and you could look around the room to see these folks, who they were, the Star Wars people, and you knew they uh, they deserved the award that they had gotten because you saw the work that they did and continued to do. And so I've been very interested in making sure that we continue some of those kinds of things, you know, at our conference and throughout the year that helped to highlight the heritage of Saxa and some of those traditions that pinpoint who we are as a caring community. And so I just like for us to be really mindful of those and that they're important. I think some of it got lost along the way because of time, but we don't really have time to do that anymore. So we won't you know, do that part anymore. And I don't want us to lose some of that, but I just like for future leaders to understand how I think really neat that has been as we watched over the years, how we honored and paid homage to uh, folks who had done the work and continue to do the work of Saxa, as well as those traditions. You know, the gaveling and the gravel tradition is so rich, but there are others that I don't want us to lose. And, and by the way, when I'm explaining to my friends and colleagues why it's called the Gavel and Gravel mm-hmm. Society, and I go through the history, they're like, they're absolutely amazed. They're like, wow, this is really neat. And we have some really neat things. Let's keep them. Let's honor them. And let's make sure that they stay as part of our active lives in Saxa. Well, I guess I'll go with just an opportunity here um, instead of a challenge. I think that we have to be mindful of how our new professionals and grad students show up in spaces and that we have to be open and embrace them because some of what we have is kind of rooted in tradition and what we have known as our experience. So we still have to be open to welcome them in with their experience to see how we can engage and produce and elevate and make them a part of the fabric of SAXA. Because just like we do on our own campuses, students are not the traditional students that we once knew years ago. They show up in their own fashion and we have to be nimble. I think I heard that word, Bill, was that your word? Nimble and flexible and just open to hearing, embracing and seeing their innovation and how it's going to be displayed in 2023 and beyond, because it is. And I know that sometimes we we have heard in the past, it's hard to uh, kind of penetrate the that old system in Saxa of getting connected. 
So I think when we hear that, that we should still be cognizant and that we have to know and that we want the door open and we have to develop a pipeline of leaders. So we need to just be prepared and open and willingness to talk and hear them. But don't forget our traditions, Ralph. I totally agree, but see what's new on the horizon for them. So those are opportunities. And that's a perfect transition to the next question, which is what does Saxon need to be thinking about as we look to the future? Newer members are future leaders. How do we connect and involve them? What are some other things that come to mind for you all as far as, okay, we're invested in this. How do we make sure that it continues to thrive in the future? Tony, I saw you shaking your head. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I think we're at a point of change. I think the world has changed. And I say that based on time and place. I say that based on hotel selection, cost. I think we're going to have to be open to having conversations in a new norm when it comes to hotels. For example, pre-COVID, the average food and beverage, for those of you that are listening, was thirty-five to 50000 Now the, the normal bid we get back is fifty to 100000 mm-hmm. They're passing that food cost on. So I think we're going to have to ask ourselves, do we get better deals? For example, we went to the same city two years in a row. Do we want to go into a contract with the same hotel? We would always go to a Marriott property. We would get a better deal. I think those questions, we're going to have to wrestle with some of those. I think financially, it's getting harder because of the world has changed, particularly from the annual conference perspective uh, and university budgets are less. Um, I think it's exciting to think about that, but it's also scary to think about that. Because we've been so successful. You know, Jane and I, Jane, who did Time and Place for 100 years, even though she's only 22, and I've been doing it since then, it, it, that world has changed. And it's been a challenge for us to find a spot for 2024, and 2025 is even harder. Certain cities are saying, we we don't need your business. Mm. We, we have enough tourist business on the weekend. Would you come on Monday through Thursday? Savannah, point blank. We don't do conferences on the weekend. Don't call us back. We got enough tourists. We can charge $300 a night. We don't need your business. Nashville. So are we going to change our dates? I think there's just a lot there of opportunities for us as an organization. But I think it's important to say, too, that that's part of our fabric. I think back 20, 22 years ago after 9-11 for a period of time, now not only after 9-11, but NASPA Region 3 decided they didn't want to, uh, with SACSA anymore, they wanted to go and do their own thing. And for several years, there was discussion about whether SACSA could survive or not. And if it did survive, what did that mean? And if you don't know that history, there are some key individuals that stepped up, uh, particularly in the fall of 2001, when major debt that SACSA had because people did not come to the conference, negotiated and saved, I I use the term, saved the the association. Mm -hmm. And then later, as we continued to struggle with different types of issues, people stepped up and expanded the association. So I agree, Tony, these are these are things to be concerned about. But for people that don't know the history of SACSA, there's nothing new under the sun here. We, we have an association that has done this from the beginning. And so that's why 
as a newer professional graduate assistant or not, this is an environment that you're expected to step up. You're expected to present yourself. You're expected to say you want to get involved and people want you to be involved. And and that's true of any level. It doesn't matter whether it's your first day and your first day of assistantship or whether you the day before you retire later on in your career at whatever level, there's there's a place for you in SACSA to be engaged, to try to, to continue the work of the association. So I don't want to be Pollyannish, but that's who we are. That's those, and that's how we were founded to deal with some of those issues. Yeah, I, I think if you didn't listen to the podcast with Jim Keneally and Jason Cassidy, you know, who both led us through very much a crisis. I was the conference chair for Jim Keneally in Orlando in 9-11. And oh my God, people started canceling their remember their registration, it was, it was like, we were draining people and we're all like, oh my gosh, you know, we came together with a conference. It was very small, but it was very mighty. And then Jason Cassidy, who had to lead us through COVID, where we canceled a conference for the first time. If you haven't listened to that podcast, there are those people, Bill, who saved us. (laughs) And I'm going to argue that is a good word. Jim Keneally saved us a heck of a hotel penalty because he was dogged. He was not going to let this organization suffer by something that was a catastrophic that we had no control over. And then Jason, you know, that whole executive council agreed to serve two years mm-hmm. for all of us who've been president, which is all of us on the screen, pretty much think about serving two years as president. Oh my, <laughs> that's commitment. And I think that's an example of what SACSA is to all of us. It's much more than a professional organization. We love it. We want it to endure and to prosper. And we're willing to go to means that we wouldn't in just a regular professional organization Mm -hmm. because it is so important to us. And I was time and place chair for several years before Jane. And I'm shocked to hear what Tony said, just being out of the loop. And so that just reminds me how important it is for SACTA to communicate to the membership, to the past presidents, why some decisions are being made, we have no idea. And so we think, well, they're just going off on another direction. They don't (laughs) care about traditions, like Ralph said, but there could be a whole lot more to it that we don't understand. So that would be very important to share. Yeah. And I've tried to do that some in the SACS alert. I think Jane and I have had conversations about, well, the whole organization has had conversations about our membership database and do we need a new CRSM? And we all know that's expensive, but the one we have is a little clunky. (laughs) It's Jane and I know, Mm -hmm. but I think we've, Jane, I think, I mean, Cheryl, I think you're right. I think our members will get on board if they know why we're doing what we're doing because they care about this group. One of the questions that you're asking us is just uh, fond memories, et cetera. And I just want to underscore the quality of our annual conference. It is one of the best conferences around. We have dynamic speakers, excellent workshops all the time. I mean, you everyone can find some real valuable opportunities for professional growth at the conference. And I just want to lift that up because it is truly a hallmark of SACSA. I mean, we have some amazing speakers that come through that association and have come through that association over all these years. So I just want to make sure that that's highlighted because it's so fun. Now, I know that we are trying to expand and uh, do uh, events and programs outside of the annual conference. And I think that's very, very important. But I still want to underscore the quality of our annual conference. 
And I think the partnerships we've established with local institutions in the conference city has been a very positive and important move, especially as you talk about cost, but also to get membership out to visit other types of campuses. I feel like you all have been answering the next question through the entire episode, but I want to give a chance if there are things you would like to add. So if you're you're doing the pitch for SAXA, you know, to get especially graduate students and newer professionals, but maybe other people who were involved once but have stepped away or just haven't thought of SAXA as a potential professional home. What are some of the things that sets it apart? You've definitely talked about people. You've talked about community and relationships, the quality of the conference you just mentioned, Ralph. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that as we're celebrating you and celebrating the organization that you might want to highlight? Well, I'll definitely, even though it's been implied and may have even been stated explicitly, I'll underscore the diversity, the rich diversity of SACSA. It has been one that has embraced diversity as a real value of the organization. But when you look across the years at the individuals who've been able to serve in major leadership roles, you look at the kinds of speakers we bring for our conferences, the workshops, diversity is truly important to us. And we live that out in all the aspects of the organization. And we wrestle with those hard conversations at the conference. They're not always, you know, Pollyanna-ish, as I think Bill said earlier. We had to wrestle sometimes with some of those kinds of things, but we were willing to do it and to do it with authenticity and with conviction and leaving that space the stronger for it. And I really appreciate that about Saxon. Yeah, and I think I would add, Michelle, when you when you talked about grad students, I, I sell it on It's the perfect generalist organization. As you're trying to figure out what functional areas matter to you and that you value and you can work at, this is where you can come be exposed to all of them. I can go to a session on Greek life. I can go to a session on housing. I can go to a session on fundraising, as opposed to immersing myself in a particular topic, because many of them are still trying to figure that out. And they want to do it in a smaller environment and and not to not say there's benefit to the NASPAs and ACBA, because I do them. But I think the smallerness of the organization and the Mm -hmm. conversations I get to have to help me figure out where I want my place to be in student affairs and higher ed, functional area, being a generalist organization helps them do that. And they they can say, okay, I didn't really enjoy that session on conduct, but I love this session on student leadership. That generalist part to me is we got to, that's the sell. We got to continue to sell. Good point. And that. SACSA for me, as I changed jobs and my responsibilities changed and as they grew, SACSA was still relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the the organization where you can spend your whole career no matter what role you find yourself in. And also there's such deep and sustained relationships. Uh, you won't find that in a NASPA, even though NASPA is great, you know, five or six thousand people are at their conferences. It's just not possible. And so one of my best friends, Ann Bailey, a past president, we see each other still. We travel together. I feel like I could call any of you in this podcast and others, and we could pick up right where we left off. 
So um, I think that's unique also. Yeah, to tell you, to tell you, tell you a funny story. Cheryl posts on Facebook. I'm in some small town where they got a teapot festival. And I'm like, oh my God, that's my hometown where the teapot collection is. And so we're having this conversation. I mean, it's a town of 5,000 in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, Cheryl, why are you there? (laughs) First of all, I was like, why are you there? But anyway, because of that connection. And I felt comfortable saying that to her. Where are you? Why are you in my hometown? Well, it's because of those connections that for me, when I made a choice to go to a conference, I was going to be involved in some capacity, not just to go experience it. But SAXA for 30 years is the only conference that I went to that I came home from not only involved, but I came home rejuvenated. Every conference I came home tired, including SAXA, but SAXA year in, year out, in great times and bad times, I came back rejuvenated prepared to for whatever else was coming down the pike in my work, not only on my individual campus, my respective campus, but also in my work as a professional. And in fact, if I can uh, piggyback on that, Bill, I always saw Saxa as the beginning of my holiday season. Seriously, I would go to Saxa and like, I'm ready now. It's time for Thanksgiving. It's time for Christmas. It's time for all of those holidays because I've been with the, the, the family and we're ready. We're rejuvenated. And it's time to start relaxing and celebrating as we end first semester of the academic year. But it's always, a, it was a time of jubilation to me. And it, it just began that season for me every single year. And that's so important. And the thing that's so special at Saxon, you know, you talk about that we're this generalist association, but not only can you attend that session, you can speak with a professional in that field and they are accessible. That's important. And whenever we have folks who may be looking for that next career opportunity, there's someone there who may have an opening or know of someone who have an opening to assist in that career progression. So SACSA's a lot of things to a lot of people. And fortunately, it can be all of that at one time. That's great. And I feel like for Saxon, I'm sure part of it is the size and part of it is the people, but those connections happen. It can happen your first Saxa, mm-hmm. whereas the bigger organizations, you might go for five or 10 years before you start to have your your group. And it's going to be a small group in a big pool, whereas I feel like with Saxa, you can genuinely have a connection with almost every single person because it is very welcoming and those connections are there. And and Jane, you said exactly what I was thinking of. You know, yeah, the sessions are great, but you can spend time talking to the people who presented the session too. It's not just, whereas that's much harder to do at some of the bigger conferences. So my last question for right now is what else should I have asked? What else would you like to talk about? We start to kind of move toward wrapping up. Any any final thoughts? It's dangerous to open the floor. I know. You know, <laughs> I'm like, ooh, it's dangerous, Michelle. I can edit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would add, I think all of us should be say a special thank you to the foundation. Yes. You know, mm. again, that was another Fred Rhodes, Gene Tice idea some years ago. And we, as an association, we've benefited by the work of those folks. And many of us have, as I forgot either Cheryl or Ralph said, that seems to be the pattern. Once you're past president, you somehow go to the foundation. <laughs> I mean, it's just like inevitable. But I, I do want to say, I think their work is is something that allows us to continue to do our work. 
And so I appreciate their willingness to do this initiative, but even beyond this, they're sponsoring travel grants and uh, dissertation of the year and research incentives. That That's another part of SACSA that's still part of SACSA. <laughs> you know, we may be different 5013Cs, but we're still SACSA. Right. Uh, and, and I do want to say to, to Roland and that group who got this initiative started, all of us, I think, were honored and shocked and surprised, but we appreciate their willingness to continue to be innovative to help SACSA financially deal with some of the things I talked about earlier. Their support makes it easier for all of us uh, to be able to do to do what we do. I know when I got a call from Roland, I was traveling and I thought it was an accident. I didn't answer it. And uh, so about a week later, he called again and left a message. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he did mean to call me, but what in the world would Roland want with me? And so anyway... It was to tell me about this, but I almost blew him off totally because I just couldn't imagine. I thought it's a it's a mistake. So, yes, there are people that are innovative and keeping the organization moving Mm -hmm. forward all the time. And that's encouraging. I do think it's going to be important as we get to a point where there's no one left like Ralph, who knew Dr. Hardy and all these SACSA members. There are very few at some point that we'll have met Joe Buck. But there are a few things we really have to, I think, focus on keeping visible in our history. You don't want to beat a history to death, but you also have to, you know, as as the organization moves on, which I have every confidence it will, we need to make sure that that we do remember some of the things that made SACSA special. And Joe Buck was one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you haven't lived until you've seen Joe Buck dance around the conference room in a leprechaun suit. Lord, speaking know, of memories, right? speaking of memories, oh. Yeah, Tony has a big torch to carry. <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> but uh, I think you're up for the job. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm thinking, I don't think I a leprechaun suit. I need to think of another suit. But uh, so, Well, he yeah. was conference chair at the time. Yeah, he was. I remember, yeah. I remember. Well, so. And just give Tony a microphone and he'll serenade the group. So there we go. I will sing to the group. I will do a Broadway show tune. But I'll, yeah. Well, and and just look at the people in SACSA that have continued involvement for years and years, even after leadership roles. You know, Ralph, you continue to come long after you were president. So I I think that's that's not the exception. It's the way SACSA is. Well, Cheryl, I think you're catching something that I almost said earlier, my favorite memory uh, that ties directly to your statement. My favorite memory is the new memory that's going to be made at Saxon. That's my favorite memory because there's always something that happens as part of that rejuvenation I was talking about earlier, but there's always a new experience that becomes a treasured memory from being involved at the conference or another initiative at Saxon. And again, that's part of the fabric of who we are. Bill, you were right. Because when she was saying, what, one thing or memory, I thought, I I have a memory every time I attend. And if I look back, you know, whether it's seeing a new face or somebody who hadn't been in a couple of years, Tony saying, and just seeing the ones who started out as grad students now flourish, you know, and they're doing great things because they're going to be the lifeline of the association. It's just a wonderful memory. So the great thing about SACSA is that it just is the association that just continues to give and provide a platform for memories and experiences. I used to enjoy watching the faces of other hotel guests and employees 
<laughs> looking at us as we come together every conference. They're like, who are these crazy people? They scream, they run across the lobby, they hug and rock and all of this. And I just kind of smile because I'm like, they just don't know. <laughs> and I don't think any other conference could possibly have as much many ribbons as we do. Saxa <laughs> has to be way the leader in oh. ribbon options. Mm -hmm. And it's ribbon a competition. Who can, who can claim, legitimately claim the most ribbons for their name tag? We may have cost-saving initiatives on the block, but that will not be one of them during my career. I won't be that one. We'll have you know, it's funny you say that, Jane. Every president talks about, should we get rid of the ribbons? No, I'm not happening on my watch. I not happening right. on my watch. No, nope. not, nope, not happening. Mind. Not happening. No one wants a naked name tag. Mm -mm. Yeah, we dismiss that quickly. Like, whoop, that was a fleeting thought. Not happening. The other thing that we don't really talk about, and we may not even admit, but every year there's sort of a quiet competition with the presidents about who did the best reception. And we don't, we don't ever say it, but we know it happens. So I always like to go, you know, and see like, all right, did they outdo the year before? Or who's going to really do something really different now with this reception to make it the reception of the century? That happens a little bit also, but it's, it's nice, fun competition. No pressure. <laughs> Even though we're going to have the closing at Spelman, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, everything that you all shared, I mean, clearly you all love each other. You love Saxa. We love you. And before we sign off, got to ask you one more question, um, especially as we kind of think about the future and whatnot. And this can be related to anything. What is something that is bringing you hope right now? So whether it's related to student affairs, higher ed, SACSA, or just life in general, what is something that's bringing you hope right now? Tony, maybe start us off. You know, I'm going to go back to my fallback. It's fall. It's October. And in about an hour and a half, I will be with 24 of the most wonderfully smiling faces of first semester students who bring me joy every Monday and Wednesday because of their hope and their excitement and their willingness to learn and their engagement. They give me hope. They give me hope every week. Sometimes I'm like, oh God, I don't want to go to class. I'm tired. Michelle knows. I'll say, I'm tired. I don't want to go. And then I go to class and I go home and my partner's like, could you just go away for a while because you're a little too hyper at the moment, you know, because I get that energy. So they give me hope. They give me hope that that this good work will continue and students will still have advocates for them and students will still have people in their corner fighting for them to to have better lives and to do things to change their community. So it's the students I will be with in about an hour and a half. Ralph, how about you? Well, I want to echo what Tony says. I have the opportunity to teach one course and I love it. It's all new students. And it's a critical thinking course that uh, really I push and push and push for them to use that brain of theirs in a way that they've never thought of before. And I say, I don't do my job and your head doesn't hurt by the time you leave my class. Uh, but it's their hopes and dreams. And so I, I, I always like to end these conversations with the same quote from Hardy because it's always been so powerful to me. But I remember her saying that students are what dreams are made of. And if you want to predict the future, ask what students are dreaming. And I see that played out every single fall. And that's the hope that pushes 
and keeps me coming to work even well beyond retirement age. <laughs> well, speaking of retirement, you all know that I retired as soon as I was eligible at 60. <laughs> that was five years ago. This month, I turned 65. I've got my Medicare card. I'm rocking and rolling along. Um, I decided to retire early for several reasons. I think I was a little burnt out, but I also wanted to maximize the last third of my life. You know, what is out there? What can I do? Y'all know I like to travel. And I'm hopeful I, I, that so far that move has paid off. I'm enjoying life so much. I enjoyed my career every minute of it, but I have not looked back. That's why it was kind of hard to get in the mindset for this. But one of the things I wanted to do was work on my personal life because it's hard to have one in higher ed sometimes. And um, anyway, I have a wonderful significant other of two and a half years and that has been the most rewarding thing. And so all those things together give me real hope that the last 25 or 30 years of my life will be as great as the first two thirds. Uh, hope for me and what I see in hope, of course, our students, the younger generation, but also just a new day tomorrow the expectation that tomorrow's going to be better than today. So that gives me hope and that gives me energy. And to know that our students are going to advocate, our new employees are going to advocate in a different way of what they need, that's hopeful. So tomorrow's a new day. And I think in addition to everything else I said, you know, to... To have a strong community, to have a strong relationship, you have to go through chaos. And there's so many things that our society and our world and our individual respective institutions and our individual lives are going through chaos. But I think it is important for me that I choose just as you were just saying, Jane, there's always new opportunities. I've gotten to this stage of life when I was in a younger stage. I would think that at this stage of life, I've had everything figured out. At this stage of life, I've discovered I'm still asking the same questions I asked about going to school in the first place back in 1976, almost 50 years ago. And that, to me, is hopeful. That brings a new sense of what am I going to do to make meaning? What am I going to do to make a contribution? And how do I play a part of this community? And so... The chaos we're going through is just going to make us stronger. It's going to be easy, but it's going to make us stronger. And Saxa will always be strong. Well said. And couldn't imagine a better ending, you know, to our time together. Again, thank you, all of you. Again, thanks to the Saxa Foundation. Thank you to Roland for getting everything um, together and bringing together so many wonderful ideas that really allow the time and space for today's conversation again. And if I can be bold enough to say, the Saxa family thanks you, not only for what you did every day and minute leading up to today, but for taking time out of your schedules to, to connect and to allow us to learn from you, honor the history of the organization as we move forward. So thank you all for that. And as Michelle normally does when she hosts, she's allowed me to kind of close this out a little bit today. But 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Saxa, and we absolutely thank them for their support. And as always, we'd like to leave you with a quote, and I love this one in particular, who you are surrounded by often determines who you become, and that's by Vicki Saunders. Kristen, thank you so much for co-hosting. Thanks to all of our guests. My name is Michelle Botcher. And I'm Kristen Walker Donnelly. And it's been a pleasure to host this episode uh, with Michelle today. Have a beautiful day, everyone.